Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. But we are continuing our series today, little by little, finding your identity in Christ. And uh, I'm loving studying this book. I've had people come up to me and say, you know, I didn't even think about Ephesians as finding my identity in Christ. And that's been encouraging to me because um, this has been something that's been very impactful in my life. And we've been talking about how the world or the enemy would love to give us certain labels, call us certain names or tell us who we are. But the Lord, if we're in Christ Jesus, Paul is reminding us of who we are. And the title of today's message is The Church of Misfits. And maybe that is a title or a word that you've had for your life, that you've often felt like a misfit or an underdog uh, in your own life. Maybe you feel like that is a word for you. You know, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word misfit. Maybe for you, uh, you think of your spouse. Uh, Maybe you think of some of your kids. I hope not, but maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it's an image that pops in your mind or a memory. Now, when I hear the word misfit, I think of movies. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because I have a lot of useless knowledge in my head. And so that's just the natural thing that comes into my mind. But I think of some movies that have a theme as a misfit or an underdog to them. And they go on to do really big things. And these are my top three favorite ones. You're entitled to your own opinion as well, but you could be wrong. And that's okay um, for you. But the first one I thought of, the best misfit movie I can think of is The Mighty Ducks. And I'm talking about the first one. Any Mighty Ducks fans in here today? I'm pretty sure somebody booed it the last service, so we prayed over them. So... um, So everything's okay there. But uh, I love this because those kids were kind of the misfits. They didn't know what to do with these kids. They kind of just had them in District 5, didn't know what to do. They just kind of like, they were just kind of the underdogs. They were, nobody really expected much out of them. And then they get paired with this misfit coach, Coach Bombay. And they go on to do uh, big things and they won the Pee Wee League Championship. And I love the Mighty Ducks. The other one, the Lord of the Rings. Now, let me just say, some of you guys are like, oh, nerd hour. Like, what is going on? Look, okay, you can tune me out for the next two minutes, all right? So if you're not a fan, you're like, this is the best movie to fall asleep to. Well, okay, whatever, but let's just talk for just a minute about how the hobbits are the misfits of Middle Earth, right? Like, they are the ones that nobody expected anything great out of them. Nobody really knew who they were. They were just kind of the outcasts, the underdogs, but yet it was Frodo, who brought peace to Middle-earth by destroying the ring that men could not do. And so uh, the, the, uh, the hobbits are misfits and maybe underdogs. So nerd alert over. You guys can come back because here's the thing. Here's the best movie uh, of all time of misfits or underdogs. And uh, if you disagree with me on this um, after service, we would love for you to come forward, receive Jesus. We'll uh, anoint you with oil and pray that the Lord delivers your soul because the best one is cool runnings. Anybody? Can I get a good amen? (laughs) I love this movie. It is a great movie of some misfits and of some underdogs who they're from Jamaica. They don't have snow. They don't know anything about it. And yet here they are, they go to be a part of the bobsled team. And of course, in the movie, they didn't really place, they, their bobsled broke. But later they went on to do big things and actually, I think, um, uh, meddled as well. But they captured the hearts of so many people. These people from Jamaica who had no snow actually learned how to be competitive in bobsledding. And so I love that movie. 
And when I look at our text today, verses 19 through 22, I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus chooses and often calls the underdogs, the misfits, or the outcasts. You don't have to look any further than the 12 disciples that Jesus chose. Because he selected people, to be honest, we would not have really selected. He, called, he didn't select the most spiritual, the most educated, or even the most experienced people. Yet they were the ones he built his church, the ones that he chose to use, and the ones who went on to help change the world. And they did big things for Jesus. And we stand on those shoulders today of people who, uh, of those guys who built God's church. God used the underdogs and the misfits to do big things. And he's still doing that today. And to me, that brings great encouragement to me. Because for me, uh, I often don't look at myself as the most educated or the most spiritual. And maybe you would agree with that. You look at your own life and you think, I'm not the most educated. I'm not the most spiritual person. I love this verse in the Bible that says that God chooses to use the foolish things of this world. The verse brings me great comfort. And I know that there are people in this room or watching online right now, and you're on the fence. You're like, I know that God is calling me and asking me to do something. He's speaking to you as clear as can be. And you're just kind of on the fence. And you're like, well, I don't know. I've been praying about it. I've been thinking about it. I'm really waiting for the right time on this. And God is calling you to be a part of what he's doing here in Clarksville. And he's asking you to start to become more committed to his church. And I believe that there are some of us here today, and really for all of us, we all want to be a part of something that's bigger than us. We want to be a part of a movement. We want to be a part of a legacy that will last way beyond our time on earth. And if you've ever felt that way, the Bible tells us that we need to be a part of the church. And you might be thinking, well, that sounds kind of strange, like the church, that's what I need to be a part of. But the reason why it can sound so strange is because many people have a skewed understanding of what the church is. See, many non-Christians think the church is outdated. And they think, well, why would I ever want to be a part of the church? Why do I want to be involved in something that seems to be rooted in my parents' generation? And so the church seems outdated. Or there's many Christians who think the church is unnecessary. A recent study of Christians showed that 40% of them don't really consider church important. They say that they can feel like they can connect with God in some other way. So yeah, they're all about God and what he's done and how Jesus has come and saved them, but they don't feel like they need church as part of that experience. See, but it all depends on what your definition of church is, and many are confused by this. See, you'll often hear us say this, but the church is not a building, It's not an event, but it's the people of God gathering together. And then later, after we've gathered, we're sent out into the city of Clarksville. So what that means is that the church isn't a building that you go to. It's a people that you go with. See, the church isn't an event that you would attend. It's a mission that you join. The church isn't a club that you sign up for. It's a family that you are a part of. And here in Ephesians, Paul uses three different metaphors in these verses to teach us what the church is and why it's important and why we should be a part of this movement that Jesus left us. In fact, look at what it says. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. 
If you've ever wondered why is church important, why you should be a part of it, Paul tells you, first off, that the church is the embassy of God's kingdom on earth. The church is the embassy of God's kingdom on earth. Now, if you remember from last week, we were talking about how the Gentiles were without Christ, that they were without God. They were a godless group of people. But because of what Jesus did, they are now with God. And what Paul's been talking about leading up to verse 19 is that there's this strong division between Jews and Gentiles. And what Paul has been talking about is, hey, Jesus came to this earth to live and die and to rise again. And so he's united all things, all people under him. It's no longer Jew or Gentile, but you are all one under Jesus. And the same is true for us today. If you've given your life to the Lord, If Jesus' blood has covered your sins, then you are united with Jesus. There shouldn't be a black church, a white church, a Hispanic church. It doesn't matter where you're from, what language you speak, the background that you have. We are all united under Jesus. We are all one. We are citizens of God's kingdom. But being a citizen of God's kingdom doesn't mean that you're no longer a citizen of Clarksville. Remember how Ephesians starts out. Paul is reminding them of their dual citizenship. In the first verse, he says, this letter is written to those in Ephesus and in Christ Jesus. It's a dual citizenship here. And if we're citizens of heaven, then the church could be described as the embassy of God's kingdom. Now, we don't really use the word embassy a whole lot. Uh, in our everyday language. You probably have only heard it in a couple movies, or if you've ever traveled overseas, do you really think about it? But what is an embassy, and how does it work? Well, an embassy is a place in one country full of people who belong to another country. But then the thing to understand is that when they are in this other country, they are not operating under the authority and the laws of this home country. And they're representing their home country in a foreign land that they are in. So, for example, the United States has an embassy in Israel. And U.S. citizens who are in this embassy are not bound by the laws and the rulers of Israel. They are not required to submit to the authority of of Israel's leadership. The U.S. embassy is an outpost in the middle of Israel. The church is the embassy of God. We live in Clarksville, Tennessee. An awakened church is an outpost that operates under the authority of Jesus. An awakened church represents God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. See, our citizenship in heaven doesn't make us worse citizens of Clarksville. It should actually make us better citizens of Clarksville. Because we long to see the city of Clarksville become more like the city of God. The technical name for an embassy is a diplomatic mission. And I really like that. I like that it's called a mission because being a citizen of God's kingdom isn't primarily about our status. It's not about our rights, but it's about a shared mission. We are foreigners in this land, but as citizens of God's kingdom, we operate under his authority. We represent his character in this city that he has placed us. And we need to do that well. We need to represent Jesus when we leave this place and we go out into our areas of influence. And so we are a part of God's embassy here on earth. Here's the second thing. We are the household of God. Verse 19 says, 
We'll read it again in its entirety. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And here's what we need to pay attention to. And members of the household of God. Members of the household of God. We've already seen in Ephesians that to be in Christ is to be adopted into the family of God. Which means that God is now our father and we have each other as our brothers and sisters. But this verse isn't talking so much about family. It is talking about that. It is hinting at that. But it's more about the dynamic of the family. It's more about the dynamic of the household that we live in. Because I want you to notice that phrase, members of the household. That one phrase is actually one word in the Greek, and it's where we get our word economy from. Every house has a particular economy for how things work. Every household has a dynamic to it. If you go to someone's house, you will quickly learn the dynamics of the dinner table, right? You go into that household, you'll quickly learn who has control of certain areas of that household as well. You'll learn the dynamics, the economy of how they do things in that house. I don't know about you. I don't know what dynamic, what economy your household has or had. Maybe for you, you came from a household that was run out of fear. Maybe it was motivated by guilt or shame. But the household of God is not run those ways. That's not the economy of God. The household of God, its economy is shaped by love and grace. So what is a household anyways? Because I think we know the difference between a house and a household or a house and a home. When Jen and I moved out to Cunningham a few years ago, when we bought our house, it was just a house. It looked like a house. It was on some land. It was with brick and mortar and wood. Like it had the shape of the house, but that's all that it was. It wasn't until we moved in and we started getting our furniture in. It wasn't until I was stepping on Legos from the kids that it started to feel more like a household. It wasn't until Jen started putting her little decorating um, tips, or uh, not tips, but uh, hints, and, and her flavor and her way of, her style of doing things, that it became more like our household. It wasn't until I started giving those kids rug burn because we were wrestling on the floor did it become our household. And the more we started getting the rhythms of our uh, family life, it became our household and not just our, ho- and not just our house. See, a house can represent status and prestige, but a household represents intimacy, security, and belonging. And that's what the church is meant to be. See, these verses are a beautiful picture of what family and church family should look like. But let's be honest, family isn't always pretty, is it? Family is hard, but that's what makes it special. And it's hard, and yet we are bound to stick with it. See, I have a younger sister. And I guarantee you that if my sister was not my sister, we would have ended this friendship long ago, right? (laughs) I mean, there were many things that happened to her over the years of our life that would have been grounds for her ending our friendship. Whether it was the time that I ripped Barbie's head off and hid it. Or it was the time that I cut Barbie's hair to see if it would actually grow back. Or I drew on Barbie, gave her a few tattoos, right? Like those were the things I did. Or hide her favorite toys or got her into trouble. Or this one time we decided to play Three Stooges. And uh, I said, block the, block the eye poke. I will see if this actually works. What I didn't realize is that my hands were bigger than her hands. And I still poked out her eyes. 
it was gross, okay? So don't, I don't recommend doing that ever. It was really disgusting. But look, there would have been a lot of things, a lot of reasons for us to end those friendships. But the fact that she's my sister means that we're still friends because we stuck with it. And because we stuck with it, there's a depth to our relationship that otherwise we would not have. That's the dynamic of the household of God that we're being called to. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? How often do we reject church and not get involved because it doesn't meet our standards? It doesn't meet what we think community or church should look like or be like. See, idealism is the enemy to authentic community. Idealism is the enemy to authentic community. See, we need to talk about expectations when it comes to church. Because when we're expecting the ideal and it doesn't match up, it can bring a barrier, a wall to walking together in Christ Jesus. See, many people think of the church less like a household and more like a hospital. That the church is full of holy people who exist to just take care of you. And so when that doesn't happen, when someone fails you, when I let you down, another pastor here lets you down, a ministry leader, somebody on staff, when they let you down, when they don't meet up to the expectations, when the person sitting next to you has failed you in some way, then you completely bail and you leave. But the difference between a hospital and a household isn't necessarily the need for care. It's the fact that the care goes both ways. When you go to the hospital and after the surgery... You don't offer the doctor something afterwards. It doesn't work that way. You're not like, well, thanks, doc, for doing the surgery. Now hand me the scalpel. What can I do for you right now? That's not how it works. It's a one-way relationship in a hospital. But things work differently in the household of God. God knows our needs, and he provides community to serve our needs. But he also knows that one of our greatest needs is to serve one another. We need to make sure that we have the right expectations when it comes to church, when it comes to community. So what are some of those expectations? Well, you can expect community or church to be hard and that you have to commit to it. Why? Because that's how family works. We can expect community or church to take time and to have to be patient. Why? Because that's how family works. You can expect community or church to be messy and from time to time have to get your hands a little dirty. Why? Because that's how family works. And you know that you're in a community and that you're in a church that is more authentic when it starts to resemble family life. When you can go to people and say, these people actually know who I am and love me and care about me. And when I'm hurting or when I need help, I can go to these people and they're there for me and they'll walk with me and they won't bail on me when things get tough. That's when you know that you're a part of a community or a church that is starting to resemble the church that Jesus went to the cross to die for. Every household has a particular economy of how things work, certain dynamics. And in God's household, we love one another and we serve one another. Often, you'll hear us talk about how Awaken Groups is one of the most important things that we do as a church. And we don't just say that because we think your lives are boring and they're not busy and you need some more hobbies in your life. That isn't why we say it at all. We want this for you. We know what groups can do. We know the impact that it can have when you get together with one another, when you're building up one another. We understand the value in that. 
You'll often also hear say that we need more people to serve. We were talking about a mission, a vision statement, and ours is to awaken people far from Christ to new life in Christ. And the last time I checked, Clarksville is in heaven. There's not all believers out there. People are still lost and dying and headed to hell. And so our goal is to reach as many people for Jesus as we possibly can. But the only way to do that is with more people. I can only do so much. You can only do so much. But together, think about what we can do and what we can accomplish. And so uh, there's plenty of teams. There's lots of teams around campus that you could serve and be a part of. We have a greeting team um, that would love to connect with people. We have a media team that helps us broadcast the gospel. But we also have an Awakening Kids team. And um, I really, as I was studying this text, I really thought of them and uh, really wanted to have you guys get to know them a little bit. And so would you welcome our Awakening Kids team to the stage here today? Uh, we... We're so grateful for them and thankful for them. And uh, I I wanted to use today as just a way of uh, letting you know who they are, putting some faces to the names, but also casting some vision for Awakening Kids as well. Because the reality is they're doing church for our kids. They're doing what we're doing on a kid's level. And so I want you guys to know that. I want you to know that we're not babysitting kids or anything like that, but we've got kids who are serving, who are a part of it, and who are growing. There's a lot of cool stories that I know they would love to share with you, but also I wanted to do this. I wanted to cast some vision because when we were here about nine weeks ago, we said this isn't the starting line, or this isn't the finish line, this is the starting line. Meaning that we built out this venue, we were able to pay for it in cash, but we also have a kid space that we are looking to build out. And I wish that was our view too. Like, that would be really nice. But, um, but we, we have some, just some general ideas. That's a classroom that'll have like a sink and a changing station built into it that'll just help us take care of our kids a lot more. And the, the rooms will be bigger. We've been operating with the same kids' classrooms for the last seven to 12 years. And let me tell you, they need a little elbow room right now. And we're doing the best that we can to try to provide space for them to learn about Jesus. And I know when I look around this room, There are many of us who've gone through life, who've done things, and we would never want our kids to go through what you went through. That you're at home trying to reinforce and instill values in them. And then when you bring them here on Sunday, we're just trying to reinforce that, what you're teaching them at home. And so if you care for your kids, then I don't see why we wouldn't want to be a part of building a place where they can experience Jesus as well. And so we're only in about half of the building. The other half, is built for awakening kids and for our younger kids. But also, we've got a kid's corner where we need to start helping the kids who are from uh, four years old, I think, kindergarten, four years old, kindergarten, all the way up to fifth grade. They need space too. And so there's ways that you can be involved. You can, uh, again, Together We Build is going to be the place where you can go. And if you are handy and able to help, we would love some help in that area, but also to give financially to it. We want to pay this in cash again. We don't want to have construction loans and anything else like that. And so those are ways that we could partner together to build a place for our kids. And so that's just one aspect of it. The other aspect is what you guys do on a Sunday. And so um, I was uh, talking with Mindy uh, a little bit this last week, and I was telling her the text, and I said, 
You might want to share some thoughts about awakening kids through this text and how this applies to awakening kids. Yeah. So, uh, Mindy, why don't you share with us some of the right. thoughts that you have? Awesome. Um, well, first of all, we all know that there is no coincidences with God's word, right? And there's no coincidence that we landed in this specific text talking very, very much about family and us all being a family in Christ. And we're talking about family and our kids are our family, right? Um, and I, I specifically... I specifically love this text because for us as the church, right, I think there's like this misconception for us, this, this thought process like, I, I, can't, I can't really be a part of kids. I couldn't, I couldn't really serve in, in, in kids. Like some of you would say, I don't really like kids. <laughs> and I was told not to say this, but sometimes I don't like kids either. And I'm the kids director. Um, <laughs> I've, I've done my share. I've had four of them. I know. It's tough. It's tough. But, but, you know, like, if you're in this room right now, and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, right? You've surrendered your life to him. I want you to know you are called and equipped to be part of our kids' lives. You can be in a kid's classroom. You can serve alongside us. You know, I, I said this before, like we're talking about being a misfit, right? If you guys would have known who I was before Jesus Christ, you would... <laughs> Some people are raising their hand in the back. Um, Jeremiah, you, her husband. Yeah. But if you knew me before you knew Jesus, you would look and think, man, that girl's not qualified. But let me tell you something. Through Jesus Christ, I am qualified. And each and every one of us is qualified. So don't be afraid. Step out in faith and serve with our kids. We're a family. And I'm asking you right now, as my family, we need help. We need help in our kids' ministry. We need to teach our kids that that these things that we're singing, these things that we're reading are true. There's nothing better than you. Is there anything greater that we want to teach our kids that are going out into this world that there's nothing better than Jesus? And we have an opportunity to do that. So... I challenge you and encourage you. Join our team. Be part of this family. Yeah. Yeah. And then Vanessa's going to share some ways on how. I always get signed up for practical things. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's because you're practical, is like, Vanessa. Yeah. yeah. I, I accept it. Okay. Um, so when I think of awakening kids, um, I think of it being just like the church. Think about the things that you need when you come into this venue. Um, people opening doors for you, smiling, um, getting you where you need to go, and then even creating slides so that we can enjoy worship and follow along, um, and then being, um, you know, running those slides as well. We have part of the worship team. There's actually, they, every, I know it's awesome. We have live worship over at the kids' corner, which is amazing. And so the worship team really pours into that. So they're, some of them here and some of them there every week. I just say that to say that awaking kids isn't just about teaching. You might be thinking, I can't teach. Uh, I don't know. Well, I will say, just like Mindy said, God will equip you, equip you, and you can teach God's word, and you will learn so much. But there's more than just teaching. There's opening doors. There's being friendly. There's helping families get checked in. Um, there's even next steps 
times whenever we have kids that give their life to the mm-hmm. Lord to be able yeah. to come along aside yeah. them outside of just during that service. Pretty much every team that you see on this campus, Awaken Kids does all of that. Yeah. Um, and so there's really no excuse not to get involved because if you're like, I'm a techie person, well, check, we got that for you. Um, I, I love to smile and not, and not um, talk to little kids. Well, check, you can say hi to the moms and dads and point them in the right direction. Anyway, um, and then probably one of my favorite places, we have something called the Clubhouse, and maybe a lot of y'all don't know about it, but it is a place that's pretty cool that our kids that are here all day long get to go to to just chill and relax and have community with one another and it's my favorite place they even have nintendo wii i mean (laughs) anyway so that's a fun place to be a part of too um yeah. yeah, and my kids love Clubhouse as well. I think sometimes that's the main thing that they look forward to as well. And I'm like, kids, come on, there's more to it than that. So, um, but it is, it is awesome. And, and they're doing such a great job teaching our kids and really trying to tell them about Jesus. And um, what I love is this is the leadership team. And Jason, he's one of our leaders here at Awaken. And what I love about Jason is that he oversees Awaken Kids, but he's also in Awaken Kids. Like he's not just sitting in his ivory tower, so to speak, and just saying, how's it going? No, he's actually in there serving with the kids and teaching them God's word. And so I wanted to hear from Jason a little bit. I know the story, but I want him to share with you guys about how he got involved and why he thinks it's important that we all, and maybe even in particular, why guys are more important and to serve in Awaken Kids as well. Yeah, thanks, Nate. So um, I, I think our story, um, I kind of relate it to my wife and I's story together with kids ministry. Teresa's on the front uh, row here. Um, but uh, it's kind of a, a story of opportunity, really, um, because 15 years ago, we were looking for a church here in Clarksville where we could grow together and serve together. And um, along the way, we had gone out to uh, Jackson, Tennessee, where my wife's from, and we were hanging out with her parents one weekend. And on a Sunday morning, they were going to church. They were pretty heavily involved in a, a really big church uh, in the Jackson area. And uh, uh, her mom was like, "Why don't y'all go hang out with us and you know, or with me in the two-year-old room, and you can you can help us there." And I was thinking, oh, man, this is going to be crazy. You know, me in mid-20s going in. I've never even been around a two-year-old, I don't think. And now I'm going to go watch after one. So I was thinking, well, I'll probably be the only guy, you know, in this whole, this whole kids' ministry area. And uh, so we roll in there, of course, and there's a ton of kids. And I was kind of like, my eyes were big, you know, wide open. I was like, this is, this is a little crazy, a little overwhelming. But I remember seeing uh, a gentleman in his 50s. I'd never seen him before, but his name was Bob. Um, and I was like, that, that's cool. There's another guy in here serving. So um, we started hanging out with the kids, had a great time. But I, I got to talking to him and I asked him, I said, Bob, I said, what got you into kids ministry? Um, and he said, well, there was a call about a year ago. Our pastor came before the congregation and said, hey, there's a really a strong need for help in kids ministry. Um, we just were severely understaffed there. and We really would like, like for people to help. So he just, he took that call on his life at that point and said, I'm just going to go. I've never served in kids at all. I'm in my fifties, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be faithful to what God's calling us to do. And he's, he's asking him to step out. So that really resonated with me. Uh, Teresa and I got back to Clarksville and soon after we found a church. Um, and one of the first things we did was we jumped right into kids ministry. Um, it was something we could do together. It was cool. Uh, we've had a blast. God's grown us so much in the last 15 years, and we've gotten to do so many cool things in kids' ministry. Um, the last six years, I've obviously been blessed to, to serve with Mindy, Vanessa, and our amazing Awaken Kids team, guys. It's, it's a great team. 
Um, and yeah, yeah, that's a definitely clap for that because <laughs> they they serve so faithfully. And um, but you know the cool thing is that you guys, if if you're here today and you don't have a place where you're serving and where you're uh, following what God wants you to do in your life, uh, there's an opportunity for you in Awakening Kids, especially you men. I challenge you men today. Um, you know we need you guys. Uh, there's there's you know we have a lot of military families, fathers that are deployed, and and we have a lot of uh, families that just don't have fatherly presences at all, and uh, we need you. So this is an opportunity for you guys, and, and not just men, you know, you ladies too. There's a need. If you don't have a place to serve, we'd love for you to come out and hang out with us. If you come out and you give it a couple tries and you don't like it, it's all good. We'll still be your friend. No big deal. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of other Awakens ministry, Awaken Ministries you can be involved in. So uh, uh, take, this is a call to you guys, just like it was a call to us 15 years ago, and it's a great opportunity yeah. for you. So. And, and I think that's the key is it's like some of us were so afraid to just step out and try something and, and just kind of get out there. We know the Lord is calling us. We know he's telling us to be a part of it, but sometimes we're so afraid to just step out there and to answer that call. And yeah, kids ministry might not be for you, but that's okay. There's something for you. And you never know what stepping out may lead to the next thing and lead you to where you are. And, and it is, it's vital that guys are a part of this because so many are deployed and these kids need to know that they have men in their lives and they can see men following Jesus too. And so uh, it's just another way that we can be an extension and a help to your family. And so uh, it's an honor to serve with our Awakening Kids team and uh, thank them one more time. So in God's household, there are certain dynamics. There's an economy to it. And so um, what, uh, what I really want to drive home is that in God's household, we love one another. We serve with one another, Right? We don't come to church and we, when something doesn't go our way, we don't say, well, now what am I going to do? Now what am I going to do now that I can't check in my kids? Now what am I going to do when there's not a seat left for me? Now what am I going to do when I can't find a parking place? That's not how the household of God works. It's not about what am I going to do, it's how can I help? That's the dynamic of God's household. How can I help? Here's the third and final thing, and we'll keep it short here of what Paul says. He says in verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, in Christ Jesus, you also are being built together into the dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Basically, what this verse is getting at is that we are the temple. We are the building blocks of God's church. See, in the Old Testament, if you wanted to go hang out with God, you had to go to the temple. That's where God hung out. But in the New Testament, everything shifts and everything changes because it says that the temple is now in Jesus Christ. And so if you're a believer here today, you've accepted Jesus, then you are the temple of God. God isn't um, bound to a building, but it's the people. And Paul's not saying, hey, it's just any kind of people. He's saying it's people who are found in Jesus Christ. So when we gather together on a Sunday, we all become the dwelling place of God. God is here with us right now. And so Paul telling these Ephesians that they are the temple of God, this wasn't a spiritual encouragement. This wasn't a pep talk or a motivational speech for them. What this was, was to remind them who they belonged to. See, in Ephesus, there was this giant temple called um, the Temple of Artemis. And Artemis was a sex goddess. 
And so there were people from all around the land and all around Ephesus that would come and flock to this temple because that's where they found their identity. And Paul is telling him, that's no longer you. Your identity isn't in things and in stuff. It's in Christ Jesus. They are now the temple of God. And so we, we find our identity as those who are in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians chapter two is just a great reminder that we are the church, that the building isn't the church. We are the church. So technically you don't go to church anymore. You are the church. And we gather together on a Sunday as the church. And then we leave on Sunday as the church and we go out in our areas of influence and we bring good news. But I skipped over verse 20 and I want to read it real quick. Because it says this, because it's really the foundation, the blueprint, the structure of the church. And it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And what that verse is saying is that all scripture points to Jesus, that a good church should be about God's word. And let me tell you, for the last 12 years of Awakened Church, that has been our motto. That's been the thing that's formed us and shaped us, that we are all about God's word. There are going to be things that I've taught about. There are things that I'll talk about in the future that will make us maybe a little uncomfortable. Things that we'd like to pretend don't exist and maybe skip over. You might be thinking this should have been one of those topics. But we're going to preach God's word as such. We are anchored to, founded on, shaped by God's word. And we will always, if God's got something to say about it, we'll say something about it as well. But then it also goes on to say, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And what that's really getting at is that all of this Bible points to Jesus and that Jesus is the central focal point of any church. Jesus is the head of this church. I'm not. This is not Nate's church. This isn't Pastor AJ's church, Pastor Dennis's church, Pastor Devon's church. This isn't kids ministry church. This is Jesus's church and he is the cornerstone And in any building, when you were building it, the cornerstone really determined the weight of the building, but also the alignment of the building. And so if the cornerstone was off, everything else would be off. Jesus will always be the cornerstone of Awakened Church. But let's personalize it a little bit. Is your life founded on, shaped by God's word? Are you building your life on God's word? Is Jesus the cornerstone of your life? If Jesus isn't the cornerstone of your life, what are you building your life on? Is it money? Is it success? Is it your job? Is it a relationship? If it's built on those things, it's only a matter of time until it all comes crumbling down. It's only a matter of time until all those things will fail you. And so when life hits you hard, if your cornerstone is not built on Jesus, you won't be able to carry much. I think 2020 has taught us a little bit about that. But if the cornerstone is Jesus, if he's your cornerstone, whatever happens in your life, whatever comes your way, you know that you, one, you're not alone, that Jesus will hold you, he will carry you, and he will give you the strength you need for, uh, to, to face whatever it is that you're facing in your life. Make sure Jesus is the cornerstone of your life. And if he isn't, then in a few moments, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the cornerstone of your life. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.